Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we heard from the state's final witness, Edward David, an attorney who was on the phone with Lauren Kanarek at the moment when she was shot. On today's installment, we examine testimony as the defense begins to call witnesses and present their case to the jury. That's all coming up, right after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's early afternoon on April 4th, 2022, and Judge Stephen Taylor invites the defense to call their first witness. Edward Belinkus invites Joseph Blaitler to take the stand. Blaitler has thick, graying black hair. He wears a blue-gray suit, a white button-down shirt, and a yellow tie. Belinkus begins his questioning. Mr. Blaitler, where do you live? I live in Morristown. And what do you do for an occupation? I'm a private investigator. Do you have a, uh, a company name? Yes, East Coast Private Investigations in New Jersey. And can you give us a little bit of your background, please? Uh, my background, I'm a retired deputy chief of police from the city of Union City. I was there for 23 years. After retiring, I became a private investigator slash police consultant. And who have you consulted for? Uh, numerous law firms, County of Suffolk, Georgetown Law Center. And, and the name of your company is what, sir? East Coast Private Investigations of New Jersey. Do you know my client, Michael Barrison? Just by name. And were you contacted at any point in a professional capacity by Michael Barrison? Yes. And when was that? On or about July 31st of 2019. Did he hire you to do something? Yes. What did he hire you to do? He asked me to conduct two background checks for him. And, and can you tell me the names of the two people he had to do background checks for? I believe one was Goodwin and the other one was, I don't know how to pronounce the name, begins with a K-A. Cataract? Cataract. All right, and, and, and did, you, did you do a background check on both of those individuals? Yes, I did. And did you provide your background check to Mr. Barrison after you completed it? Yes, I did. I'm going to show you what's been marked Defense Exhibit 700A1 and ask you if you recognize this document. These are the background checks I conducted. And after you conducted your business, uh, did you provide... Michael Barrison with a copy of 700A1. Yes, I did. Did you have any other discussions with Michael Barrison? I did have other discussions with him, but I really don't recall what they were. Judge, I move in uh, 700A1 into evidence. I object. Prosecutor Shellhorn objects to the introduction of Mr. Blaitler's report. After a quick sidebar, Judge Taylor rules on the objection. I 
the objection is sustained. Go ahead, Mr. Belinkus. With regards to the background check, and, and I do not want you to say anything specific, what does that background check look at? Looks at people's previous residence, relatives, phone numbers, liens, judgments, bankruptcies, criminal histories, employment comes up sometimes. Okay, I have nothing further. Any cross-examination? Briefly, Judge. Uh, Mr. Blaitler, you never met uh, Robert Goodwin? No. And you never met Lauren Kanarek? No. And you didn't confirm or corroborate any of the information that showed up in the background check? No. Did you, and you told Mr. Parasone certain methods that he could do to, to verify these things if you wanted to? Yes, if you wish to follow up. Thank you, sir. No further questions, Judge. All right, you may step down, sir. Edward Belinkus then calls his next witness, Larry Davidson. Davidson is a large, stocky man with graying hair that is partially combed over his balding scalp. He sports a neatly trimmed gray beard and wears an open-collared white shirt and a gray jacket. Blinkus again begins with his customary first question. Mr. Davidson, uh, where do you live? Uh, Glen Gardner, New Jersey. And, and can you tell the ladies and gentlemen of the jury what you do for a living? I drive a truck. And, and who do you work for specifically? Uh, Robert Jenkins is a nurse. And, and what do you specifically do for them? Just drive? Call trees. Okay. Do you know my client, Michael Barrison? Yes, I do. How long have you known him? I see a smile on your face. How long have you known him? Uh, probably 20 years anyway. Okay. And how do you know him? I've known him from the farm. You know, I you know worked for him, brought hay in for him and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, did there come a time uh, in August of 2019 where Michael Barrison hired you to do something other than all hay or deliver things from the nursery. Yes. Uh, what did he hire you to do? He asked me to uh, watch the barn. And, and when you say watch the barn, yeah. what were you watching for? Uh, well, he was having problems with the girl that was in the house. And, and I don't even know her name or anything. And, and, to, and in hiring you, did he express concerns about her? Yes. And, and is that specifically why he asked you to uh, to come there? Yes. And what time would you come during the day? Uh, probably like 8 o'clock at night. I, I wouldn't be there during the day, just yeah. nighttime. Okay. And uh, what time did you leave? Uh, like 6 o'clock in the morning. I, I had coffee with uh, Mike and trying to talk to him, but he was so, I don't know, just so messed up that he could even hardly talk. All right. So do you recall the first time you came to the property uh on a particular night? Oh, the first time? First time. Yeah, uh, I was uh, driving up there, and the, the girl comes out of the house, comes running out of the house, and says, who are you, who are you, who are you? I just kept on going. And I got up to the farm, and I saw Mike, and then sat there for maybe 10, 10 minutes, and two cars come up the driveway. And, and, and I said, uh, oh, boy. At some point in time, uh, did those people in those two cars identify themselves? Well, yeah, one went around the barn, and one pulled up by me, and, and they were police. So I, they were on, on marked cars. I didn't know who they were. And uh, did you have a discussion with the police? Just all he said was, How, how's everything? I said, it's quiet right now. And th and that was it. And they left. And did they ask you what you were doing there or why you were hired uh, by Michael Barrison? No, nothing. Now, so I'm not sure if you told us the first day that you uh, came there where this incident happened. Was that August 1st? I believe so, yes. Okay, and uh, did you come there each night thereafter to the day of the incident? Yes. And uh, each night, what what would you do? What was your, like, job? Just to park by the barn, make sure nobody goes in the barn. 
And during that week leading up to the shooting, did you have occasion to see Michael Barrasso? I see Mike every night. Yep. He, he, he constantly was walking the property. Constantly walking the property. You mean after hours? Yeah, all night. All night he was walking the property. And, and did you have an opportunity to observe him physically, like his physical appearance? Yes. It was, he what was, was it? I don't know. He, he was just ter terrible. He just, he just couldn't. He was beside himself. And, and you've known him for how long? Like 20 years. Have you ever seen him anywhere near in this condition during that 20-year period? Never. And with regards to your observation, what specifically did you observe about his physical appearance? He was just, just distraught. He was, uh, I mean, he could hardly talk. He could hardly talk. Did we used to have coffee in the morning. He'd be he'd be sitting at the, at the desk there, and, and uh, I'm trying to talk to him, and he was just he was out of it. He was out of it. Now you said you you observed him walking the property uh, every night. Every night I was there. What hours of the night? Well, I got there at like eight or nine o'clock, and he was he was up all night, all night. And did he show? He, he'd come out and see me, and then he go back, you know, back around again and be on the porch. They come back out again. And, and how many times would he do this uh, on each night? Probably three or four times a night. Come out, you know, by me. Did you notice anything in the way he was dressing that was different than you uh, previously observed prior to these? Uh, no. I have nothing further, Judge. Judge Taylor invites Prosecutor Shellhorn to take his turn with the witness. Mr. Shellhorn, any cross examination? Just briefly, Judge. Go ahead. Mr. Davis, good afternoon. How you doing? Do you remember uh, being interviewed by members of the prosecutor's office on October 2nd, 2020? Where was that at? Did they meet you at the uh, Hunterdon County Hospital Medical Center? Yeah. Do you remember that interview? Yeah. You probably talked to them for about an hour that day? Yeah. And you didn't mention anything to them during the course of that interview about anyone running out of the house or trying to flag you down? I don't know. Maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk about that. You would agree with me that uh, during the time that you were there at the farm on the overnights, no one ever tried to come and enter the barn during the times you were there? No. No, the only one the only guy that came up and surprised me was Mike. He came, he came walking up by the truck. Okay, okay Mike. <laughs> Nothing further, Your Honor. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Defense attorney Edward Belinkus next calls Christiana Cook Gibbs to the stand. Miss Cook Gibbs has shoulder-length blondish-brown hair that is neatly parted on her left side. She wears a gray tweed jacket with a white blouse and a colorful scarf knotted just below her neck. Blinkus again begins with his customary first question. Ms. Gibbs, uh, where do you live? I live in Alamuchie, New Jersey. And uh, who are you employed by? I'm employed by the Township of Washington in Morris County. And can you briefly describe your background? I have a bachelor's of science degree in animal science. I have my master's in public health. 
Uh, who do you currently work for? Washington Township, Morris County. What's your uh, specific position for that? My specific title is that I'm the health officer for the health department of Washington Township. And how long have you been doing that? I've been employed by Washington Township for 36 years. And what does that entail? Like, what's your job description there? Being a rural community, the bulk of my position was I'm charged with administering laws that protect public health, both municipal and state. A lot of my job involves environmental work, septics and wells. We do everything from rabies to food inspections. Last two years, COVID. Okay. Did you have an occasion to respond to uh, my client, Michael Barrison's property on August 6th? I did. And, and before we get to that, Prior to that day, did you know Michael Barrison? I did. And how did you know him? Uh, through dealings with the property. The property was a, a farm, and um, at some point in the late 1990s, it was developed into a dressage facility, and a, a large equestrian center was built, and I was involved with the permitting of both the front home that was moved and, and made into a double home, and then the equestrian center in the back, so well and septic permits. I was involved with from the beginning of the development of the property and um, then somewhere Michael wasn't my primary contact with the property but eventually Michael turned out to be my point person there and I remember there was a septic problem in about 10 years in and we had to rebuild the septic and at that point Michael was the point person for the property. Okay so prior to the six over the years you've had an opportunity to come in contact with Michael and observe him in normal day affairs, correct? Yes, sir. And, and how would you describe him in those days? Very confident, very dignified, elegant man. On the 6th, do you know uh, who signed a complaint against Michael Barrison that caused you to go to the property? Well, have, have we established that? I want to ask some foundational questions. Why did you go to the property on the 6th? I went to the property because a complaint was received by another department in the township. The construction department received a complaint alleging that unpermitted work had happened at the property and ancillary to that it would have involved my department. There was allegations that a, an apartment was constructed in the barn and therefore it would have impacted my authority. And I How, how does that impact your authority, a, uh, an apartment in the barn? Um, because the septic system for the barn was only sized to accommodate a certain amount of flow. Septics are designed for gallons, and that septic was only designed for a very specific purpose and not to accommodate living space. Okay, and uh, prior to going to the property, did you ascertain who made the complaint? I don't recall. I uh, The complaint was not made directly to me. I did not have any interaction with the complainant before I went on the property. Now. When you said you went on the property, did anyone else go with you? I specifically drove to the property with my colleague from the health department, but we met there at the same time with representatives of the construction department and the fire official. So we all can kind of convened on the property at the same time in different vehicles. And how many vehicles converged on the property? There would have been at least three vehicles, maybe four, but at least three. Okay, and uh, at some point in time, did you have an opportunity to observe Michael Barrison? Yes, I did. Did you observe him before 
you and the other town officials started doing your job, so to speak, walking around and looking at things? We originally um, arrived to the property and got out of the cars at the house in the front, the two-family house, took a look around, didn't appear that anyone was there. We knocked on the doors. No one was there. So we were getting in the cars to go back. The barn is quite a distance off the road. And then the gentleman who I found out who was the complainant arrived, spoke to the construction official. I, I backed away from the conversation. I wasn't part of it. And, and again, when you say the person that made the complaint, who was that? I believe his name was Robert, but I don't, I don't particularly remember his last name. Goodwin? Yes. Now, you indicated that uh, when Robert Goodwin started talking to the construction officials, you backed away. I did. Well, why did you do that? I just didn't, didn't get a good feeling about, you know, it, it, he didn't complain to me, he didn't reach out to me, and I just, just, I, I, I literally backed away. Did there come a time when you uh, went up towards the stable area, the barn area? Yes, we did. We, we all got in our cars and we proceeded up to the stable. And at that point, did you have an opportunity to see Michael Barrison? I did. He and Mr. Lundberg, who was the gentleman who I had originally dealt with on the property from the beginning, were outside sitting on the porch, I recall. And we, Mr. Lundberg got up and came and greeted me. And I then walked back with Mr. Lundberg and we, we spoke with Michael at the time to let him know why we were there. Okay. And you mentioned the name Lundberg and someone that you had dealt with. Is, is he Michael's a partner in that stable, as far as you know? I don't know what the uh, official relationship was between Mr. Barrison and Mr. Lundberg, but I assume it was a business arrangement, a mutual passion for what they were doing there. Right. Now, do you recall when you first observed Michael Barrison on that day? I do. And can you tell the ladies and gentlemen of the jury what your impressions were when you first saw him? He was very distraught, very disheveled, very, very upset. Can you describe his physical appearance? Unlike my prior meetings with him, he was very, very, very different. He was, you know, sweating and pacing and mumbling. Did he appear to have bathed recently? I don't remember. I, I couldn't get that specific, but it was much, much different than any prior meeting that I had had with him. Would shocking be a reasonable term? I was very Objection. That's a little leading, Mr. Malinkas. Sustained. How would you describe your observations previously with the observations on August 6th? A very different person. In what way? He was disheveled. He was upset. He was undone. He wasn't the competent guy that I remember. He made comments about being fearful. Objection, Judge. It's not Yes, sustained. That's hearsay. <clears throat> That's hearsay. can only describe what you... Okay. Your observations of Mr. Barrison as you've done, but nothing nothing that was said okay. that would be hearsay. Anything else that uh, pops into your mind regarding your observations of him? No. What was your impression of, of him based on your observations? He was very, very distraught and very, very different. Nothing further. <laughs> Judge Taylor invites Prosecutor Shellhorn to question Ms. Cook-Gibbs. Cross-examination. Ms. Cook-Gibbs, had you ever met the individual that you referred to as Robert Goodwin before that day? I had not. And did you feel like after meeting him that he didn't fit there? Objection. What's the basis for the objection? Impression of whether he fit there? I don't even know 
Yeah, I mean, you had her describe what she did when she met him, and that seems to be follow-up by the state. Overruled. Do you recall when you were interviewed by members of the Washington Township Police Department on September 17th of 2019? I, I honestly didn't, didn't remember it until I got subpoenaed, but now I do remember being interviewed. Um, it was a long time ago. Do you recall telling them that you, you felt like Mr. Goodwin didn't fit there? I did. I do. You and the other township officials came to the property on August 6th unannounced? We did. I, I mean, I don't know if the construction department announced. I went there unannounced. I can speak for myself only. Meaning the health department did not notify anyone that they were coming? That's correct. Have you ever observed Mr. Barrison during a training session? Actually, yes. I was on the property once to watch a horse, and I believe Mr. Barrison was there. What was his demeanor during the course of that training session? Very professional. Now, you responded on August 6th to investigate potential health issues or environmental issues? That's correct. And did you identify health issues and environmental issues? I observed work that was done without permits that would have required the health department involvement. An environmental issue, like an end result of, of it, no. But I didn't observe a malfunctioning septic or something like that, but I did observe work that should have been permitted and, and should have been reviewed and authorized before it was done. For example, that the septic system would have been overloaded by the number of bathrooms or, or something right. of that nature. Right, which could have, could have led to a problem down the road. If but. it wasn't located and identified by you on August 6th. Yes. No further questions, Judge. Edward Belinkus rises for a quick redirect. Just one more from me. Go ahead. Can you explain why you didn't feel like the Robert Goodwin didn't fit in there when you never really met him before? I just got a bad feeling. I just, I don't know why. Nothing further. All right, you may step down, ma'am. Thank you very much. Thank you. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we look at the testimony of defense witnesses apparently intended to offer details regarding the defendant's state of mind around the time of the shooting. If you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>